Welcome to It's All About Connection, NVC with Dr. B. We are talking about mornings. Not like good morning. No, bad morning. No, the other kind of morning. Not yes, M-O-U-R. Correct, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G-S. That kind of morning. What about being in mourning or mourning something? I'm wanting to talk about this because I just had somebody in my empathy gym go through their level three assessment, which was very fun to see somebody going through the whole performance-based system and leveling up. So we had a whole big conversation because this person in the assessment was using our self-empathy dance floor to show me how he uses self-empathy process. We teach a process called self-empathy. So in our whole template of nonviolent communication, there's the empathy line and there's the expression line, and then there's an area called weight. And to sum this up for people that are fairly new, what you're trying to do is give empathy first to somebody in a moment of conflict. But most of us can't do that because we're too triggered ourselves. So we need some wait time. Wait stands for why am I talking? What am I thinking? And under the wait part of the dance floor, one of the processes that you could use is called self-empathy process. So the idea is that when you go over to wait, and you use some of these processes, it frees you up. So then you maybe then have the ability to actually give empathy to the other person. And when you can give empathy to the other person, there is a much better chance now that that person's gonna be open and available to hearing from you when you step over to the expression part of the line. So I just wanna kind of put mornings in context of where we are with our NVC dance flow. So if you use self-empathy in a moment that you're pretty triggered or upset, We have a whole process that we teach on how do you use self-empathy. And when you're using self-empathy, the biggest point of it is to just have a lot of awareness of where you are. Like, are you in judgmental place? That's fine. But just be aware that you're being in a judgment, saying judgmental things. Are you experiencing feelings and saying the things that you're feeling? That's okay. Just make sure that you're over there on the feeling square. We literally have squares you can put down on the floor or I have a sheet that you could use and point to so you know where you are in your process. And the idea is that eventually you don't need the squares down on the floor and you don't need the little piece of paper. You can do it all in your head. One of the squares in self-empathy is a square called mourning. What is a mourning? Well, as you're using the self-empathy process, you're figuring out what are your judgments or jackals, You're talking about what you're feeling, maybe starting to source some needs that are up for you in the circumstance, what needs are up for you. And then you might come to a realization that you have a need in this circumstance that may not be able to be met with this particular person in this particular circumstance. And when you get to that realization, guess what? That means that you're probably on the morning square. And mourning is where you're experiencing deep grief or sadness because you might not be able to get your need met by this particular strategy, a la this person or this circumstance. So can you throw out an example about something like this just real quick so people can track what I'm talking about in a non-abstract way? Hmm, Maybe... I'm wanting to talk to you, use you as a strategy for connection, but you're unable to talk. So I'm mourning connection and communication with you. And I have to figure out a different strategy to get those needs met. Right. And maybe this has gone on for almost like six months. I haven't had time to talk to you. 
And then you realize you're really upset about this and you want to talk to me and give me some empathy for it, but you can't because you're so triggered. So you go on over to the weight process and underweight, you decide you're going to use the self-empathy process. And as you're doing the self-empathy, you're jackaling. You're like, that shitty friend, Cindy, she's never there for me. And I feel really upset. And I think my need is wanting to know that I matter and just friendship. And then you might bounce back into jackaling. Like I'm tired of nobody ever being there for me. So you know where you are, you're tracking where you are. Well, and then you might get to the point of like, I don't know if Cindy's ever going to be able to meet my need for me knowing that I matter or friendship in the way that I would like. You come to that realization which hopefully this is never true, but <laughs> you come to that realization and then you step on over to the morning and it's sad and it's hard and it hurts when you get really like connected to that. And that's exactly what I want in that moment. I mean, I don't want you to suffer in general. I'm not meaning that. I'm meaning for the sake of this example, that's exactly what mourning is for. It's a square to pause and to honor the grief, the sadness, not to move quickly off of it, to allow yourself to have a cathartic release around a need not being able to be contributed to in a particular circumstance, to give yourself the ability to let your body process that and to fully meet, meaning by greeting, meeting or greeting the need that is coming alive in you in that moment, embracing it, holding it, yeah, being really present with it. Yeah, being fully present with it, which sucks, by the way. It sucks. Some examples of this that came out in this meeting that I just had when I was giving some examples. When my mom died, I had two huge moments right after she passed away. My sister and I more or less helped to prepare her body for burial. That's a whole nother thing. But once we were done with all that, we were waiting for the funeral home to come and pick her up. We waited hours and it was the middle of the night. We have candles everywhere. It was weird, obviously. When they finally came, I couldn't stand there anymore. That's when I ran out of the room, hysterical crying and went into my room and it was just boo-hoo, crying, like crying, crying, crying and thinking to myself and talking out loud like, oh my God, this is going to be bad for a really, really long time. Like, I don't know when I'm ever going to get over this. This is going to be bad. And I was just boo-hoo, crying, just allowing for that. We allow for that when a big death happens. We allow for cathartic release. We don't have choice usually in a moment like that. It just happens, right? But it's the same sort of thing I'm talking about. Not that I want you to cry to that level if I'm not picking up the phone for you for six months. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> like, no, but for you to have whatever kind of cathartic release around sadness and crying and not holding back. It's those movements throughout life, not including death, because death gives us hopefully the permission to do that, but just moving through these little parts and these little mornings. Exactly. Which we don't do. We've had it schooled out of us not to have full emotion. And here's the thing. It's not like you, quote, lose control completely. When I am doing self-empathy process around something I'm very upset or just need lots of empathy around, and I'm by myself and I'm doing this process for myself, 
myself. I carve out some time to do it. I know, okay, I'm going to do this for an hour. I'm going to, I'm going to step into my self-empathy process and I'm going to jackal with awareness and I am going to get clear on what my feelings are. And if I mourn, if I get to a point of like, it's never going to happen with this person, I might sit there in a lot of pain and hold the pain, notice the pain, be with the pain. And then I could be doing that for an hour. And then I'm like, dear God, I can't do this all day long. I got to go get ready. I got to work. And you compartmentalize it. You're like, okay, I've given it some attention. Now I got to move into my day. I can come back to this if I need to. So you give yourself the time. You carve out the time to do it. It doesn't necessarily have to take you over. I think if you build this kind of thing into your life, allowing yourself to fully emote and mourn when necessary, your body processes it and lets go of it. And you have a lot more flow and ability to get those needs met in other ways. You're not stuck anymore. It gives you more choice. Yeah, you end up having more choice you definitely end up having more ways of just tapping into getting the needs met. Clearly, I'm not ever going to have my need met. Well, that's not true. I was going to say for presence with my mom. I think I have different kind of presence with my mom now in a weird way that I never fully understood before her death. But I can get my need met for presence in physical form from other people in my life now. So I don't know. I think other cultures allow for a lot more mourning than our culture does, unfortunately. So I just wanted to kind of let people have some more clarity on what that is and what it does, the benefit of it. Yeah, I'm wondering what you're hearing in any of that or if you have any response to it. I agree with all of it. I think that mourning is an incredibly important piece of NVC. I think it can, at least for me, be a piece that's often overlooked. It's almost like I can tap into like the feelings and needs pretty quickly or like thinking what I'm feeling, but to actually go to that mourning part. I think you're right in saying that you think in our culture, we're conditioned to resist our emotions. Mm -hmm. because it can be painful. It's very painful, I think. And another reason why I think people don't do it is they think it's going to overtake me and I'm going to lose full control here. I think there's a sense of survival being threatened. Like it will kill me. Yeah, I think there is some truth to that. In fact, when I have been in the depth of mourning, intentional mourning and self-empathy, I've literally said to myself, this is not going to kill me. This is not going to kill me. This really, really hurts bad, but I am not going to die from this. Like I literally have told myself that. And I do think that also we get scared because we think it's going to unravel us like to the point that we won't be able to come back into quote normalcy. And in fact, I think it's the opposite. These are all just possibilities. These are all theories probably could be backed by some science if I dug into it. But I'm guessing that there's so much depression and anxiety happening in our culture right now because people don't know how to process emotion and mornings and we don't allow for it. And it ends up stuck in our body. It's stuck in our body and it's going to be there. I know personally, honestly, the times in my life when I have allowed myself to fully emote, then I am able to move past it only then. So it's the same process when you are using self-empathy and you come to the realization that I might not get this need met by this person or this situation. And I am devastated by that and so sad. And can you just stick with that? Can you stay with that? 
can you feel into what it is to have that realization? That's what we're aiming for here. Not for depression, woe is me. No, for the opposite of that. Actually, there was one other time I had a huge disappointment with a political figure that I was going to have a lot of ability to move the work in a big way. And it didn't happen. And it was devastating. And I remember telling all of my friends the day after this election, don't call me. I don't know how long this is going to take for me to get over this. I stayed in bed and I cried. That was one day that I did unravel a little bit because I spent a whole day that was not very productive. But it wasn't even a day. It was probably two thirds of a day of crying and screaming and sleeping. And then I was like, okay, I allowed for it. And then I moved back into life. Yeah. And can I say something real quick about how, well, like you said, there's this fear that maybe we won't get back to quote unquote normalcy. I won't be the same. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I think you aren't supposed to be the same. And was the same really working for you? You know, to move through it moves you closer to self-connection and choosing a different way. So I think there's that fear that I won't be the same after this, Mm -hmm. but maybe you don't need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Very good point. Well, I think that's all I want to share about mornings for today. On a celebratory note, we have the new intro course through the Big B Method. So if you've been listening to this podcast and you enjoy what you hear and you haven't taken our intro class yet and you're kind of sitting on the fence, I really encourage you to go and join. It's at learn.thebigbmethod.com. We'd love to have you in the training and really think that, well, I don't think I know, people going through it seem to get so much out of it and take what you're learning here on the podcast to a whole nother level, like really beginning to own the skills. So come and join us. We'd love to have you. And also, this is our empathy warm line for people that want to call in about the podcast and leave any questions or comments. It's 850-706-0488. You've been listening to It's All About Connection, NBC with Dr. B. For more episodes and guest bios, please visit us at www.thebigbmethod.com. That's www.thebigbiemethod.com. And remember, empathy first.